All right. Thank you, guys. So great to be in God's house with you and to celebrate these things that God has given to us as uh, not these things men and kids. I mean, just these ceremonies of things that we do that are so great from God. We appreciate it. Thank you, parents, for bringing them. Did you spend at least five minutes, five days last week in God's word? Did you share a God story with someone this week? Spend some time alone with him? You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give? Your time, talents, and resources. Yes. Invite someone to church with you this week. Yes. You know, we have these little cards that are up here. Come join us cards. You can take some of those. They're at the Welcome Center as well. Take them with you and share them with others. God's called us to radiate the love of Christ to this world around us, reaching lost and saved people, restoring them into fully mature followers of Christ. All right, church. So the, the president of our country has asked us, especially in the church, that we would join in prayer today as a national day of prayer to speak out and seek God in this time of crisis in our nation and the world. Now, whether you like the president or not, that's not an option here. And uh, God's word actually tells us that we're supposed to pray for those in leadership over us, not the ones that you like or don't like. He says pray for them because he's appointed them. So if you have an issue with whoever's leading our country at any time, you need to talk to God, not Facebook or your friends. So in this moment, whether you like him or not doesn't matter. What matters is, is that we had a president that recognized our need and that in our history as a nation, we have sought God in our times of need and God has heard us. His word declares that he will. And therefore, as we gather together as the church of Jesus Christ, we absolutely want to join in voice seeking God in this time of need across this nation and around this world. As we pray together, I want you to understand how I pray and why I pray the way I am. We have sought God for a move. Last Sunday night, we had one worship celebration, our fifth year anniversary here. It was an amazing time with God. So good. Yeah, God's so good. I don't know what he did for you, but I know I had like this incredibly personal touch from God in my life. It was amazing. All right. So we're seeking God and asking him to move in our lives and in this city and across this nation. So as God does this, we don't want to get in his way. So I'm not telling you by any means that God caused what's happening, you know, but God can use it. God will use all these things that are around us. So in our prayer, I'm not just going to ask, although I will ask him if it's in his sovereign will to stop this thing, but I will ask him to work through it and don't stop it too early if it causes people to call on him because we need him more than anything. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We do pray for President Trump that you would give him wisdom and discernment, those on his staff, those in leadership throughout our government and throughout the world. No matter how high you are in official office or how low you may be, we all need you the same. And God, we are dependent upon you. We need you. And in this time of need, our nation needs you. God, forgive us as a nation for telling you we don't want you here. God, we need you here. Lord, may our nation repent of our rejection of you, your truths, your, your requirements of us. God, in this time of crisis, may we fall on our knees and recognize you in a new and profound way. If it would be in your sovereign will to bring a conclusion to this, then God, we ask you to move and bring it to conclusion rather quickly. 
We recognize that there are consequences that are already happening around us, and they will impact our lives. We wear that, Lord. But God, you're bigger than all of this, and we trust you completely. We give this situation to you. We trust fully in you. We ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us in this moment of our lives, preparing us for what you have for us in the future. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. The verses that I'm about to share with you are verses that I not only shared with you in the past, but I told you when I shared them with you multiple times that in these verses, I referenced them more in the year of 2019 than at any other time in my ministry life. I've read them. I know them. I don't mean like anything extraordinary. I'm saying I know what they say. I know what God's promised but never had I been led by God to use these sections of verses more than I did last year coming into 2020. And as we stepped into the year 2020, looking forward to what God has, I'm not a New Year's resolution guy. I'm not a, you know, because I don't like failure and pretty much I fail at all those, so I don't do them. You know, you can't fail if you don't try. So (laughs) anyway... Don't take that as your mantra, but I'm just saying, you know. Uh, But I did set a spiritual goal that I would spend a a designated amount of time every Friday with God where I do nothing but just sit there in quietness and listen, which is crazy for me to do, period. So as we entered 2020, and I'm here speaking to you all, you can go back and watch online if you want to. You don't have to. I'm just going to tell you what happened. In the message of... The first two weeks of January, both times, I had no intentions. They were not written in my notes, but I said 2020 would be a year of change, a God move, and God has changed, and we need to embrace that change in what he's doing. When I spoke those words, I had no idea how quickly that would impact me personally and the thing that's happening in our lives today. But as we move forward through that, the verses that I counseled people with, what I'm, I'm going to share some things you already know, but I'm sharing them with you to bring to all of our recognition how God is at work, what he's doing, and that he's not done working with us. So, having counseled with these verses, sharing with people, helping them in their walk with God and dealing with life issues, I had no idea how those verses would impact me personally when Kim and I uh, went to the doctor and the doctor diagnosed her with cancer. In that moment, as we embraced that reality, navigating through that stuff, God, having already spoken these words into my heart, having used them in many of your lives, dealing with your crisis, in this very moment of my life, God would speak to me and talk to me. I want you to understand uh, me. I try to be as transparent as I can with you, and I don't try and hide anything. I'd rather live my life in front of you in faith with God and let you understand me. So I'm, God's still working on me, and I need a lot of work. I confess that to you, and I mean that sincerely. So, like, I'm a guy that's like, whatever. <laughs> Everything's fine. Don't even worry about it. I don't go to the doctor. I don't get things checked out. I just like, yeah, man, let's go. (laughs) You're fine. 
I used to tell my kids all the time, just like, you know, just get up, move it around, rub it, go, you're fine, don't worry about it, doesn't matter if your finger's sideways, straighten it out, you're fine. <laughs> Whatever. That's kind of the way I approach life, right, in every way. So, borderline careless, I like to say carefree, all right? Okay, just letting you know. So when my wife was telling me about her problems, and I mean this very respectfully, okay, Ladies, I'm sorry for all the stuff you have to go through. I am. Because, like, she struggled with PMS since I've known her. She had a very difficult time with that. So, you know, like, I would tell my boys growing up, we had it marked on the calendar. I didn't ex- <laughs> I'm being serious. I mean, I'm just telling you, you need to be honest, right? I would just tell them, look, whatever's going on with mom right now, don't take it personal. She's got some stuff happening, Right? I think it's important to tell them. I mean, you don't have to, you can hide it and act like it's not happening. It's happening, and you might as well let them know it's real because they're going to get married and have to deal with that too, right? And I mean that, hey, all right, let's move on. So it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm just letting you know this, right? So then comes menopause, right? So my wife entered menopause. It's probably why she's not here today. She'd probably be over there like, you know, cringing, but... She already knows. I've said it publicly. She doesn't care. We're totally good with our lives being transparent. So she entered into menopause. And you that have gone through that, if you haven't, you should probably look into it. For real. Read about it a little bit. Get to understand, especially you guys. I'm being 100% honest here. A lot of marriages end in this time because people think that the lady's gone crazy. And and they deal with struggles of, of love and different things going on there and a lot of them just run from it male and female alike i'm saying so we need to understand some of these things because we're supposed to be committed to one another through good and bad right all things and so i looked into it and studied it because i had to deal with it within people in my congregation and i'm so glad because it gave me an understanding of what i needed to do for my wife as i dealt with her stepping into this time where ladies don't know if they're okay or not that's being honest. The women that go through that with difficulties think they're, they're losing their mind as well, right? Yep. And so I mean this again very kindly because you know who I am. I'm going to share with you that I did with my wife. When she was having problems, I'm just like, uh-huh, yep, I know. I'm going to be as supportive and encouraging as I can. Like, yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, you're fine. You'll be fine. Everything's okay up here. You know, I'd never say that to her, like, eh, whatever, you know, deal with it. But that's what I'm thinking. You're going to be okay. She kept telling me about problems and problems and this and that, and you know. But, again, please understand this. I've been hearing that for five years. And so I attributed everything to menopause, and I was praying, dear God, set us free from this soon. (laughs) Set her free from it so that we can be free from it. And so I just assumed it was that, right? Okay. So... It's not all of a sudden. And um, I'm looking at these scriptures and God's telling me something as we navigate through this. When we went to multiple doctors real fast, like, and the oncologist is like, look, I mean, we're not going to tell you it's cancer until we get the test results, but it's cancer. I see it. I know what it is. I've looked at the CT scan. You have this. You have this. You're going to have chemo. All this is going to be happening. And I'm, I was sitting in that room like, wait a minute. She's fine. What are you talking about? I'm dying first, not her. 
because guys die first. I've talked about it with her. I'm like, babe, I'm going to die. You don't have to worry. It'll be me, not you, that gets checked out early. All the guys die soon. We always die early. All right? And I'm not being flippant. It's a reality. Go visit one of the senior homes and there's 10 women and one guy because the, de- the men are dead. All right? This is not to like discourage you guys. I'm just saying the reality of life is we die earlier. So I told her I'm going to die first. So whatever your issues are, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Not only did I tell her that she would be fine, I told her like, you know, I'm not really smart with money. I haven't really planned for a future. So you're going to need to get remarried. So I want to tell you, you need to find a guy that loves Jesus and has money, plays the Spanish guitar because she likes that. And is a eunuch. <laughs> so, <laughs> I told you I'm living transparent in front of you. All right. So <laughs> if you don't know what that is, it's a gelding. All right. He doesn't have nothing going on. All right. So anyway, let's leave that alone for a second. I, I, I'm being transparent. I want you to understand stuff, right? So. <laughs> Now I'm sitting here in the, uh, in the office of the oncologist and I'm, I'm hearing words coming out of her mouth that are like somebody is hitting me in my heart with 100 pound weights. And I'm like, this can't be happening right now. This is not the way it works. And I already had that all figured out. <laughs> and here's what God speaks to us. I share these verses with you on purpose because of how critical it is in this moment of our lives in our history and what God has in our future. In Philippians chapter 4, he says, don't worry about anything. You know how many times I've said that? You guys have heard it, right? Don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing is another translation of the very same statement. So when we read that statement from God, we always have these little asterisk notes in our mind, right? Because we, we have a problem with controlling stuff. And he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. So this is the formula that I, I'll, let me just read it and let me share with you this. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts, your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So here's God's word speaking to us. God's word is telling us that fear and anxiety and worry will take over our mind. It will take over our heart and it will affect our faith. And God says to us in his word, look, don't let that happen. I've got you. Bring your needs to me and trust me. Look what I've already accomplished. Look in history. Look in your own life. Know that I have it, and you can trust me. And when you put things in that perspective, okay, God, it's all on you, not on me. I trust you. I cannot worry about this. It won't change anything. I trust you. I give you this virus, the consequences, the potential of all of it. I trust you. And God says, look what I've done in history. Look who I am. I've got you. Now he says, I will personally guard your heart and mind so you don't go off the deep end. So you don't panic and freak out and and lose your marbles. Come on, man. 
What is wrong with us in the church? I'm not talking about the world. They don't have a hope. They don't know Jesus. They don't understand that he's their hope. But people in the church should know that God is our hope, our strength, and I have nothing to fear. Worry's not going to change anything. God will. So we cannot let worries, anxieties, and fears and that stuff overtake our faith. We bring them into contact with our faith. That's why God invites us to do this. When we face uncertainty, it brings us to a place of the reality about what we believe. See, when we face death or the possibility of death, our faith is never more real than in that moment. Do you believe, do you believe what you say you believe? Yeah. So here's the confession I will make to you, which makes sense, and you already know this probably, but I have spoken of death lightly in my life. I mean, I already know that I'm going to die, you're going to die, we're all going to meet Jesus. I know all that. I believe all that. But in that moment, where it was my wife, there was a whole different reality of what death was to me. Even being with multiple people that have left this world, I have been at the bedside in the homes with people that have died. I've been with them. I've watched them. I've been with families and walked from the beginning diagnosis till the funeral. Okay, that was a reality in my life that I knew. But I didn't know it like I found it. In that moment where the reality was it could be her. And so when I was there in that moment and God's reminding me of these verses and challenging me, do you know what you were telling people? Do you know what my word says? Do you trust me, Dave? Do you believe that I have her? Do you know that I have her? Is the Bible the word of God or not? Is God who the Bible says he is? What happens after we die? Do you believe what you believe? Do you know what you believe? Do you know what the Bible even says about life, about death, about what it means to walk with God, to serve Him? It's not what you think it says or what you believe it says. You need to know what it says. And it's never more real than in the moment where all these things are staring you in the face and you're looking at what could be the end. I shared with you that when I was in that horse pen out there, we have horses in the yard and I love it. It's just like being there is just, I can be with God like, no place else. Seriously, it's crazy. I'm just doing my thing in there. And when God spoke to me about Kim, because at that moment, we had no idea what was happening or what we were going through. And I shared that with you before, but I'm telling you on purpose right now. When God asked me, do you believe that I love her more than you? Um, it's like, I know you do. Do I believe you do? Yes, God, I have, to, I have to believe. I know you do. No, I know you do. Do you know that I have a plan for Kim? And my plan for Kim may not include you. And, and the reality of that moment, in that moment, I was like, I, I don't like that plan. I didn't like that plan. Because, listen, I I want you to hear this. It's important. We're going to see something in God's Word that says this. See, because my plan always was God first and Kim second. That was always my plan. She's the love of my life other than Jesus. Anybody that knows us knows that. She, 
she is like amazing and i like my plan for my entire life was always jesus and kim and then everything else and so like when i say yes to him and i've given her to him multiple times throughout my life then in this moment when god said do you know i love you her more than you and my plan may not have you in it in the future it was like that is not the plan i've been looking at and so I have to accept his plan, not Dave's plan. Church, I want you to understand in your own life how God is calling us to a moment where we'll accept his plan and not hold on to ours so tightly that we can't see that God is working in the midst of something that we don't understand. As I looked at the reality of my own faith, would I want to keep her from God's plan? Of course not. That's a no for every Christian would say, no, no way. But the reality was that if I said yes to God's plan, it might mean no to Dave's plan. There's only one answer, and you know that I could have said no to him. Wouldn't have changed a thing. It's that moment of the reality of my surrender and trust and obedience to who he is, the understanding of his relationship with us. Can I share with you a, a verse from Scripture that is like crazy awesome as I read it? I was like, God, this is the coolest thing that the Apostle Paul lived so transparently before us and that we were given a glimpse into some struggle in his life. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Can you just like feel the emotion of that moment right there? Because of what I've just experienced in my own life with my wife, I absolutely see, feel, and know exactly what he's saying to me right now. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. The reality of what might be is something that is crazy real that challenges me to know God, to know that I know God, to know that you know what you believe beyond anything else. The Apostle Paul says, look, that in fact, I want you to know we expect you to die. The very next step in my life was I expected it to be the end that it would be all over with. It didn't matter how many people, and I'm going back to Dave for a minute, said, she's going to be fine. Oh, don't worry about it. It's not cancer. Everything's going to be good. God's got you. You're okay. It didn't matter what anybody else said. The reality was I knew my conversation with God, and I knew that if God wanted her to go to be with him, she was going to be with him, no matter what any doctor or person said, no matter what any prayer says. You understand? So the reality was, I honestly expected her to die. That was my reality. Okay, God, I give her to you, and I expected it to happen. Not today. See that process. I honestly expected that the end would be <laughs> me saying goodbye to my wife. And when I read this, I'm like, God, I... I totally get what he's telling us right here because what he says through this 
is so important for me and you right here, right now. And the reality of the chaos of our world around us, listen to this, that, that he does not stop right there. This is so awesome. Hear this. We are crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Man, that's awesome. He's like, man, I finally lost myself in the midst of it, started looking beyond my flesh, and I saw that God is God, and the end is what it's all about, not this temporary moment. I began to lose myself, thank you, Jesus, in that moment where it's like, wow, I can't control any of this. I have no ability to change what's going on around me. It may be the end of my life. I don't know. All I know is that I know I need you more than ever, that I rely upon you, and you have me. God, I trust in you. I no longer want to rely on myself, my abilities, my thoughts, my ideas, and my plans. God, it's all on you. We trust you completely. This is God's word. And in the end, he says, I'm going to have you when it's all over with. Why don't you trust me now? Right, church? Yeah. And through times of uncertainty, it's our faith is truly revealed to us. This is when we know our faith. When we know it's real. We learn how to grow in our faith when we face the reality of the absence of life. Man, it's in that moment. So... You all know, if you know your Bible and you read it in the book of Acts, that this guy we referenced named Paul who wrote many of these books in the New Testament by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. His name was actually Saul. His birth name was Saul. And he was a vigilant religious man taught by the smartest guy in their day. And he was being raised up more than likely to be the next high priest of the Judaism there in Jerusalem. And he despised the, the, the ministry in the church of Jesus Christ, and he despised the teachings of Jesus to the point that he was going out and killing Christians, having them in prison, taking their homes, taking families from where they lived, and having them put in prison. This guy we're talking about. As he persecuted the church... Uh, if you read in, um, in Acts chapter 9, he was heading out to another city to do the same thing there when he met Jesus on the road. And Jesus called him out on his stupidity. And Paul repented. His name was Saul then. He repented and Jesus changed his name to Paul and said, now you're going to go forth and be my man. And he began to preach Jesus everywhere. Opposed the existing church, spoke the truth of life to everyone. But the reason I'm bringing all that up is because the persecution that started with him did not end when he repented. When the Apostle Paul became a preacher of the church, the church that um, the existing Old Testament church tried to kill him too. So they became his enemy and they began to go after him. He suffered many things through his life because of Jesus. Now, the persecution continued against the church, and as you read through the Gospels and you begin to read into Acts and then the epistles, you'll find out that many people of the faith, those that follow Jesus, lost all their money, lost their homes, many lost their lives. Many had to flee cities because of the threat that was coming against them. Please, church, understand this. 
Like, we have this crazy idea that we're, because we follow Jesus, everything's going to be okay in the end. Um, in this life, we're guaranteed of God's eternal life and grace, but we're not guaranteed everything's going to be easy. And so the persecution continued against the church. Many of the apostles um, stayed in Jerusalem. Some of them spread out. Uh, the church dispersed. Peter stayed in Jerusalem. He was one of the heads of the church, along with James, the brother of Jesus. We know this by reading scripture. The apostle Peter wrote a note and sent it out to the Christians that were dispersed everywhere. Please hear the context. The reason I shared all that is for you to understand what was happening in the culture of their day. There was tremendous persecution against the church. People were dying. People were being imprisoned. Stuff was happening in their lives. This is the letter from their pastor to where they are in their church and in their lives, I should say. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. <laughs> These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Amen. Amen. See, God's word declares to us how staying strong in our faith through challenges actually solidifies our relationship with God, strengthens our faith, and brings the reality of who he is all the more into our life. We grow during those struggles where we are answering the questions, is God who he says he is? Is God's word truth? Do I believe? Have I surrendered? Do I give? That's where you and I grow, become more Christ-like in every way, and we know God and we become firm in our faith. We begin to understand God at all new levels of who he is. Man, when the disciples... We're about to go through one of the greatest challenges of their early ministry life. Jesus was about to die. They didn't have a clue. I want you to know most of us don't have a clue what's coming our way. It's okay. All right. But it's true. And thank God for it. All right. But in this moment, Jesus is telling them, the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to do something special for you. You don't have to worry. God's got you. He was letting them know that even though they were going to go through some things, question some things, and wonder what in the world was going on, he gave them a promise. John 14, 27. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now, church, when Jesus spoke these words, Remember, they were clueless. They had no idea what they were about to face. They did not realize that Jesus would be 
taken and prison, beaten and stripped, hang on a cross, and they would watch him breathe his last breath. They had no clue. But this is what God does for us. He gives us words of promise for the moments of the unknown in the future. He says, look, I'm telling you right now, before anything happens, I've got you. Don't let fear and anxieties and worries grab a hold of you because you don't understand stuff. Because you may not understand what's happening around you. Don't worry. I've got you. Trust me. I'm giving you a gift the world can't give you. They're all freaking out and losing their minds. He's like, look, I've got you. Don't be troubled. Don't be fearful. Trust me. I've got you. Church, do you trust Him with your life? Do you trust Him with your eternal life? So, again, I'm not going to make fun of this. So please, it sounds funny because I think it's funny too, okay? But I'm not making fun of this. But when I see people buying toilet paper, like there's none on the shelves, right? No, and I mean, if you bought it, that's fine. Good for you. I'm, please, I'm serious. I got to say this because I was talking to my wife about this and I'm like, so like, how much did they buy and how long do they think it's going to last? And what's going to happen if it goes beyond that? All right. Seriously, I'm like, okay, so like, no matter how much provisions we may want to store up and try, it's going to run out, man. If something bad goes down, I know where you live. If you got toilet paper, I'm knocking on your door, man. Okay. (laughs) No, I'm being serious. Listen, the, the point of this is this, like when the apostle Paul said, I've learned not to rely on self, but on God. That doesn't mean just don't care and don't do anything. Of course not. But it's like, why would we let fear and panic and anxieties dictate our decisions and we're trying to like grab a hold of everything and control our future when we have no clue and control over it anyway? As I consider that, I know that um, the reality is I'm going to die, so are you. Okay, um, that reality though, I will share with you this reality that God has shown me as well through this experience with my wife where I realize I'm getting older, right? But I'm not old. I mean, to some people I'm old, but to me I'm not. I'm just a kid, all right? And so when I see old people, no disrespect, (laughs) I never see myself there. I don't. I see them and I'm like, you know, that's nice. But look, since I was this big... Look, since I was this big, old people have been around me. But I'm not one of them. So I've never seen myself as an old person. I don't know why. That doesn't make sense. I get it, but I don't. So I'm standing there in the last few months looking, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be an old person, but I'm going to be an old person if God lets me live, and I'm going to be just like that. Like trying to shove my debit card in the little thing, and, you know, and (laughs) how does this work, and driving slow down the middle of the road and that's going to be me right (laughs) no disrespect at all I'm being serious I'm just like I never see myself like that it's like I'm not going to be like that that's not me but the reality is if God lets me live I'm going to be that that's me so do I trust him when that's me do I trust him to become that if he allows me to live? 
So I look at all these things and I'm like, man, God, you know, the reality is I don't even know if I'll be alive tomorrow. The, uh, please, again, I, I'm so sorry. I have to apologize before I speak because I know I say dumb things sometimes. But, like, when my brother Mark was going through his health issues that he went through, that when Kim and I were his caregivers, uh, we expected him to die too because the doctors expected him to die and said people die from this and not many people live through it. So the reality was we expected that to be the end unless God intervened for sure and God has and he's still in remission. Okay, but at the same time as your pastor, I want you to hear this correctly. While we were dealing with all that, it was right over here where I sit. I had my brother in a wheelchair there because... He couldn't be touched, had a mask on, no hair, having gone through everything he did. And there were people in this congregation that would walk over to him and say they were praying for him. And I know this, that everyone there was fearful for his life. And some of those people died before him. I did their funeral. The reality of that to me was so crazy because I was like, man, God, out of the blue, I had no expectation for this, uh, I'm not going to say their names. They're part of our church. I'm saying like, there was a sudden death here and another death there. Another un unknown thing happened over here. And it's like the craziest thing because I was like, all of these people were praying for him, praying that he would survive and that God would have mercy on their life and all of a sudden they're out of here. And so as I process all these things and I'm talking to you right now today, we don't know what tomorrow holds. None of us. We may never even know the end results of this virus that's going on because we may check out of here long before anything is, is resolved from that. That's not a fear thing. It's a reality thing. We don't know. You don't know. <laughs> I'm leaving you with a gift, Jesus said. I'm going to give you a peace. It's my gift to you. The world can't give you what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you peace right now to know that I've got you. There's something way more to this life than this moment you're living in. A few weeks ago, I read this incredible testimony of these three guys. And I bring them back up to you and I want to read this to you because here were Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in this pagan land of people having known what God said to them that you will not bow before any other god but me. You will not worship any idols. And this new government control that happened with King Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, everybody, guess what? Here's your god. You're going to bow down and worship it right now. Get ready, everybody, bow. And there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm not bowing. Not a chance. Ticked them off. He brings them in before him. You know this count. I'm going to read it to you again. It's really critical for where we are right now. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they, brought, they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, well, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, 
we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Church, that is like the coolest thing, isn't it? I already know God can if he wants to. But if he doesn't, that's not going to change who he is. It's not going to change my trust in him, my belief in him. See, as we look in God's word, what the word of God continuously calls us to is the reality of our faith that we have relationship with God that is not contingent upon the moment, the circumstances, the ways that come at us from various directions. It is that we trust God completely in every aspect of who he is. I know that he is God and he is good. And whether I live today or tomorrow or 30 years from now, God is still God. And long after I'm gone, God will still be God. And His Word is still truth. And our faith needs to engage Him at that level. So let's look into the future for a moment. I want to share with you. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If you know Him, I want you to know that God has revealed your future and mine. And He's given us a glimpse of it. And I love it that God has done this. In Revelation chapter 21, which I don't speak in Revelation very often, but today of all days, I want you to hear something that God painted for us through the Apostle John when he said, I want to give you a revelation for my people. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. That is our future. That is our future. If you know Jesus, that's your future. I want See, this is what's so amazing to me about God and His Word is the fact that when God gave John the Apostle this vision, he saw it in its reality in the future. The reality of it. Earlier in the, revel- in the Revelation, John saw multitudes before the, the, the Lamb. I'll never forget the day that as I was reading that, God pointed out to me that John saw me in the crowd. I was like, he saw me. (laughs) He literally saw me. I'm in the Bible. Church, seriously. And I was thinking, you know, I know how he saw me, Nick. I'm going to be doing this in heaven. (laughs) Woo, Jesus! Yeah! Yeah! He saw me. God says, that's your future. Do you have faith in me? Do you trust me? I've got you. I see you with me forever. Oh, not just in this moment, 
Not that I'm freaking out because of something happening in the second. God has me. That is my future. I'm going to see that. I believe that. I'm going to see the new Jerusalem. I'm going to live with God. It's not going to be a faith thing anymore. When you die, you no longer need faith. It's reality. Church, we have that reality right here. God is with us and he has called us into this incredible relationship with him. Do you know him? Do you trust him? Are you sharing that with other people? Never more than now. Church, never more than now. We, the church of Jesus Christ, need to stand up and be recognized as people people of hope, faith, and trust in our God. Would you stand with me? The altar's open. Please, if you need Jesus, come to him. You need to surrender something, surrender something. There's never been a more important time in your life than today. Right here, right now. Never has there been a more important time in your life. God is never more real than he is today. He's amazing. He loves you. He's available to us. Isn't that crazy? He is available to us. He loves us. He's inviting us into this incredible life with him. Church, he's got us. Do you trust him? Would you pray for these, your brothers and sisters that are at the altar? Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. So grateful for Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for all that you are doing, God. In this day of uncertainty, the questions of all things, God, you are the answer. We trust you. We surrender. All of the unknowns, all of the questions in life, our lives themselves, we surrender. It is all on you. (laughs) Thank you for that. God, move. Move in me. Move in my life. Move in us. Move in your church and in your city. God, use this time as a time of reckoning, redemption, reconciliation. God, we need you. We need you. If you're watching online, if you need help, please reach out to us. You can email the office. You can text or call me. Reach out to us. We want to pray with you and help you. If you're here, don't leave in despair or fear. Please don't. We love you and God loves you. Thank you so much for being here today. May God bless you today. Those of you at the altar, please don't get up and leave until your heart is ready to get up and leave. He loves you. Thank you so much for being obedient and stepping up. God bless you, church. You're dismissed. Have an amazing week with him. Trust him. Trust him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord.